Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A warning for listeners. This episode contains detailed descriptions of sexual assault. This morning we're speaking to Staff Inspector Peter Slowly, badge number 3477 from Corporate Communications. Peter's represented by Staff Inspector Mike Federico, badge number 3895. All right, um, two days ago we served you with a 649 advising you that you are the subject officer of an internal complaint of a non-criminal nature. You've given a very short uh, list of uh, the allegations there. In that meeting on February 7th, you didn't raise your voice. That's correct. So if people outside the office said they were so concerned about the level of your voice that they debated forcing their way in the door into your office because they were concerned for safety, they'd be completely exaggerating and misrepresenting the circumstances. Well, again, I never speak for other people's perceptions. Well, I'm telling you what they've told us. And it's an interesting story. And you're saying it's not true. I don't know what they were thinking, so how can I say if it's true or not? Well, if, were there voices raised that they would have heard to, to form that impression? Could people hear a conversation that was taking place between a closed door? Probably. No, we're not talking about a conversation. We're saying voices were raised so long. I've stated very clearly I did not yell. The man who you just heard being questioned is former Ottawa Police Chief Peter Slowly. Slowly was defending himself against a complaint about his conduct towards a woman who he worked with back in 2003 when he was a staff inspector with the Toronto Police. Videos of the resulting internal affairs investigation was leaked, allegedly by a fellow cop, and posted to YouTube by yet another former cop. None of us were supposed to hear any of that, and the Toronto Star is reporting that Toronto police are investigating the leak of that video. So that's an old controversy for Peter Slowly, who of course later found himself holding the bag for a much, much bigger one. Ottawa police are preparing for truckers and supporters from across Canada descending on the nation's capital Saturday. We are on day eight of this occupation. Our city is under siege. This group is emboldened by the lack of enforcement by every level of government. This morning, we've begun implementing a new surge and contained strategy in our downtown core. Based on lessons learned over the last operating cycle of the demonstrations, and new intelligence gathered literally in the last 24 hours. After more than two weeks of intense criticism and scenes like this gripping the city of Ottawa, Peter slowly stepped aside. Deputy Chief Steve Bell now taking the reins on an interim basis. The eyes of the nation and then the world fell on Ottawa Police Chief Peter Slowly when his cops allowed Freedom Convoy truckers to roll into Centretown and occupied the nation's capital for three weeks. Shockingly, slowly threw in the towel on day four, saying at the time that maybe there was, quote, no police solution to the situation. 
Well, he resigned less than two weeks later. And as I record this, he is the only public official to take a fall for everything that went wrong in Ottawa. But what exactly did go wrong? There are competing theories about the police and government paralysis that occurred at every level. And there are competing theories about slowly. Was he simply incompetent? Or was he an activist more than a cop? Better suited to lecturing his fellow police officers about systemic racism than he was about actually leading a police force? Or was he sidelined and sandbagged by disloyal cops who actually supported the protesters over their own chief and over their duty to uphold the law? We don't have answers about all of that today. There is going to be an inquiry and there's going to be a whole lot of journalistic investigation. It's all going to take time. But what we here at Canada Land knew before the Freedom Convoy was that Peter Slowly's tenure as Ottawa Police Chief and the Ottawa Police Service itself were already embroiled in controversy. Ottawa Life is a small lifestyle magazine that comes as an insert in the Globe and Mail to Ottawa print subscribers. Usually it's a magazine about local personalities and sports, restaurant reviews, that kind of stuff. But it also runs opinion pieces, usually from the desk of its publisher, Dan Donovan, about all sorts of local political happenings. And every so often, Donovan does some reporting, reporting about the Ottawa police in particular. And he's reported a lot about its former chief, Peter Slowly. Well, one of those articles got Dan Donovan sued for libel last year, not by the Ottawa Police Service. No, Peter Slowly is personally suing Ottawa Life magazine and Dan Donovan over an article titled Rapes and Lies, the Cancerous Misconduct at the Ottawa Police Service. Slowly alleges in his lawsuit that, among other things, the article unfairly calls him corrupt incompetent, and stupid. He is suing over the article's claims that he allowed a sexual assault and harassment to happen under his watch. He alleges that the magazine defamed him in reporting that he misuses public funds. That's what Peter Slowly says in his lawsuit. But Peter Slowly and his lawyers have not said anything else to us when we reached out to them for comment and with questions. But Dan Donovan, publisher of Ottawa Life magazine, well, he told us a mouthful. Our reporter, Cherie Sutrin, reached Dan Donovan in Ottawa and talked with him about his decade of reporting on the police, about his legal conflict with Peter Slowly, and about the dumpster fire that has been smoldering within the Ottawa Police Service long before its incompetence became a national emergency. Wait for it. <whistles> This episode is brought to you by Devin Asselstein, Justin Morell, Wade Sheedy, James Cameron, Morgan Taylor, Alexander Brassard, Reed Fuller, and Ben Atkinson. Hi, my name is Ben, and I'm an economist from Calgary, Alberta. I listen to Canada Land because it provides in-depth analyses of issues important to Canadians, and it makes me think seriously about perspectives different from my own. I always look forward to listening to new episodes of all podcasts in this network, from the Monday morning show and shortcuts to Thunder Bay, the White Saviors and Commons to the backbench and Wag the Dug. But on that note, as much as I enjoy listening to a podcast on Ontario politics, 
I also want to hear one in Alberta politics. The West wants in, Jesse. Well, thank you so much for joining me. How are things in Ottawa? Well, today they're much better because the police have come in and uh, cleared out a lot of the just horrible situation we had here in the last three weeks, which is just the worst. No kidding. I've just never seen anything like this in all the time I've been in Ottawa. It's quite incredible. It was a complete breakdown of uh, security and policing, and um, it was just horrible for the residents here. So I'm glad to see the police finally uh, were able to do the job that we know they can do, and they did a great job. I found they were very measured in their response. The response from the local community here has been exceptional. Well, it's interesting that you have such a a high praise for the police when we're uh, here to talk about things wrong with the police. But yeah, that's actually really great to hear. For over a decade now, I've sort of fell into writing about uh, police and police misconduct. Uh, But I actually come from a policing family. My father was in policing for his entire career. And I'm all about accountability and transparency. And the police play a very, very important role in this society. What's unfortunately transpired in policing over the last 20 years has been a structural change in policing in in Canada, in fact, in North America, post 9-11, where we've seen the militarization of the police in the society. We've seen very poor recruiting and recruiting the wrong types of people to get into policing, the wrong types of training, and the wrong types of leadership. And that combined with appalling oversight has led to some just quite awful situations. Uh, It's a big problem in Canada with the police. So you've been covering Ottawa police for some time. What is the interest in covering the police for you? To be really candid, we fell into this completely by accident. I actually had no real interest or did most of our writers in writing about the police. And then just over a decade ago, there was a horrible case that happened in Ottawa involving a young lady in her mid-20s, and she was walking down Rideau Street one evening on the way to the Byward Market in Ottawa, in downtown Ottawa. And an Ottawa policeman pulled her over, and he asked her if he could see her identification. And then he proceeded to keep her there. Well, he got in his car and he ran her ID and he kept her there for some time. And then he got out of the car and came back and uh, said, well, you know, thanks, and gave her the license back, her ID back. And she said, as I suppose anyone would say, well, what was that about? Why did you do that? Why did you stop me? And this policeman got very aggressive with her. And within a few moments, had cuffed her, thrown her into a car, and took her to the police station. Then when she got to the police station, she was further assaulted by five or six Ottawa police officers. She was then strip-searched and thrown into a cell. Now, when I tell you that story, it sounds shocking as shocking today as it did a decade ago. And the challenge was no one believed her. See, the 27-year-old black woman that Donovan mentions was telling the truth. Her name is not being used because it is under a publication ban. But as Donovan says, in 2008, she was arrested while walking down the street in Ottawa, accused of public intoxication, taken into police custody, and assaulted. Eventually, security video surfaced that proved her story. 
the case pulled back the curtain on what was really happening with the Ottawa police. And we have the security video. You can see them pulling her head there. And then she is restrained by four other police officers with the Ottawa police force. And as she's being restrained on the ground, one of those officers walks away. You see him here coming back with a pair of scissors and cuts open her blouse and her bra. Now, what you don't see and what was not released by the court was a video that then shows struggling to keep her breasts covered with what little clothing she has left. She's then thrown into a jail cell where she lays uh, half naked and in soiled pants because she'd soiled herself for over three hours. The woman who was arrested later brought a $1.2 million lawsuit against the OPS. The officer who cut off her shirt and bra was charged with sexual assault, but later acquitted after an internal investigation. He was only docked 20 days' pay. And that's how I sort of fell into writing about the police. And then I had a um, a very uh, intimidating, well, not intimidating, I mean, I you know, <laughs> a short while after that, I had a visit from an Ottawa police officer at our offices. Our editor, and I can I can say this now because, you know, God bless him, Harvey Chartrand was manic and he was a brilliant guy, but always concerned about things. And he was very worried about the fact we'd written about the police. And I was, I was saying, no, Harvey, don't worry about it. We're just shining a light on this stuff. We haven't done anything wrong. And then sure enough, one day, an Ottawa policeman walked into our office and just, uh, I won't say who it was, but I will tell you that he came into the office and just wanted to speak with me and said, well, you know, uh, I said, yeah, can I help you? No, no, no. So this is where Ottawa life is, is it? And I looked at the guy and I told him to get the fuck out of our office. And I said, you know, are you kidding me? But that's what they do. You know, that's what the bad police do. And it was a sign, it was uh, an intimidation play, it was whatever you call it. But what it did to me is it told me that there's something really wrong in policing here that these types of people feel they have the, um, you know, the ability to do this. And I, and I want to I keep probably keep stating this, like the police have a very important role to play in our society. And just as they just did this weekend. And I believe the majority of the police are good people. I really do. I mean, I do want to talk about this story, which is called Rapes and Lies, the Cancerous Misconduct at the Ottawa Police Service. And this is the story that police chief slowly is suing you for, claiming defamation. And so I guess to start, I just wanted to ask, I mean, have you ever spoken to Sully? What's your relationship like with him? So I don't have a relationship with him. And by the way, I should preface this by saying it's no longer police chief slowly. But have I met Peter slowly? No. When he got the job in Ottawa, I had several communications with him on LinkedIn. Uh, friendly. I, you know, when he got the job, I, I didn't know the guy from Adam. I'd heard of him. You know, I just heard of him in Toronto, that he had been a police deputy in Toronto and a superintendent. And I, so I sent him a friendly note uh, when he first got the job. And I said, uh, you know, it was through LinkedIn. I said, uh, you know, I introduced myself, said congratulations, uh, Chief Slowly, on coming to Ottawa. I'm paraphrasing this, but it's basically I wish you well here. And listen, when you get in town and get settled, I'd be happy to uh, sit down with you and give you our perspective on policing as we've seen it over the last number of years, just to share a perspective with you that might be helpful in you doing your job. He got back a very friendly message. Oh, great. You know, thanks, Dan. I'll look forward to meeting with you. So then he gets here on the ground. We shared another email. 
And then about three months went by and I, we hadn't met and he had done a couple of interviews on, on CBC and CTV. And he had said, yeah, he was consulting with people in the community to, you know, to learn about the problems with police. I'm selling Ottawa to Peter Slowly, Ottawa's brand new police chief. Who's, is this your first day in uniform? First day back in uniform after yeah. about a three and a half year hiatus. Thanks, How does Bill. that feel? Feels great. Uh, first of all, it's a much better uniform than I've ever had on before. So uh, the quality of the gear is, uh, is exceptional. Looks like you stayed fit in your time out of policing. Just wearing a tighter girdle these days. Uh, <laughs> trying to keep the weight off, Bill. Thank you. Race relations are going to be an issue here, as they are in almost every city in the world these days as well. Absolutely. Uh, I know you were a very outspoken advocate in Toronto in your time. You're not a guy who holds back. Is that one of the top things in your priority list? It's one of the top you- things. I won't say it's the top thing. Again, as you said it, uh, it's an issue anywhere. The most marginalized, victimized, oftentimes the most racialized are newcomers, and they're struggling with those same social justice issues we talked about before. I will tell you my number one priority is to get in the men and women that work for me within the Ottawa Police Service, to get a better understanding of what they think are the priorities, what they think are the ideas and solutions, how they think we can work better with the community, and what their opinions are on the state of relationships between the police service of jurisdiction here and the members of every community across the city. I thought, okay, that's uh, that's interesting. It's three months. So I, I sent him another note. I said, listen, I'm still happy to meet with you. I heard you on CBC today on the radio. It was great. Happy to meet with you. And then nothing. So I thought that's disappointing. You know, like I say, I never met him. This is all through LinkedIn. So we had been working on a piece uh, back then about a gay man in Ottawa named Rodney Mockler. And this is a tragic story because Mr. Mockler showed up at our office one day. This wonderful, wonderful man, Rodney Mockler, him and his husband live here in Centertown. He's a professional and he was working in a technology business where you need a security clearance, you know. So Mr. Mockler had a hip replacement and he's also got HIV. So he's been on a drug treatment plan for well over a decade, as far as I know. And um, he had he had serious hip replacement injury or operation. So the story is that Mr. Mockler was in recovery and he went to a store just off Bank Street um, in downtown Ottawa. When he went into the store, he saw these druggies hanging out in the back of the store, like up to no good. And something was transpiring. So he, being concerned, you know, and, and he's a bit of in a fragile state, so he called the police. So the Ottawa police come. And one of the two people, these drug addicts, um, one of them was a woman. So when the police come, this woman claims, oh, he assaulted me. That man assaulted me. And Rodney's going, what? No, I didn't. I'm the one that called you. These people are like they're doing, you know, they're doing drugs they're doing bad stuff here. And 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 she, no, no, he assaulted me. So the police let them go and arrest Rodney. And it turned into a nightmare for him. He lost his job. He lost his security. He lost everything. And the police, in this case, they did things they should not be doing, like rewriting written statements months after the fact because they lost them. And I won't get into the weeds on what a nightmare this was and how they ruined this guy's life. I, and I decided to write a story on it. And this is at the same time I had having these LinkedIn communications with Slowly, and, and he was supposed to talk to us. So, so I, out of frustration, I, I wrote him. And I said, you, you look, uh, you know, hi, Chief Slowly. Uh, it's, it's Dan Donovan. I'm writing to you again because... Uh, I'm actually quite disappointed that I, I haven't heard back from you regarding, uh, you know, us giving a, a perspective on policing, what's going on with policing here in Ottawa. 
I said to him, I'm very concerned. We're writing this story. And then again, this is on LinkedIn. I said, we're writing this story. And I wanted to talk to you in particular about Rodney Mockler and what he went through with the Ottawa police. And I said, in fact, I'm so concerned about it. The next time I run into the mayor, I'm going to raise this with him. I'm very concerned about the conduct of these officers. And slowly wrote me back. You know what he said? Good for you. Like, it's the biggest blow off. In my mind, what an appropriate response. First of all, I shouldn't have had to literally beg the guy to, to talk about a case. If someone brings it to his attention a misconduct of an officer, he should be concerned. But more importantly, he should be concerned about Mr. Mockler. You know, it shouldn't have been good for you. It should have been, look, I'm concerned about that. I'm going to look into that. This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder, I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals pre and probiotics and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm going to recommend that will help you elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. Back to the piece, Rapes and Lies, the Cancerous Misconduct at the Auto Police Service. You know, you go in talking about a lot of the things that you just mentioned. Um police being involved in different types of misconduct, misogyny, violence against women, all those things, and then being put on paid leave, all under sort of the direction of Chief Slowly. Well, it's the Chief Slowly in the Ottawa Police Services Board, and they would claim that they are not allowed to fire police who do misconduct because of provincial legislation, they say, doesn't allow them to fire a policeman. Right, Exactly. You include all of this in the piece. It's, you know, quite extensive. I just wanted to ask, I mean, do you still stand by all the things that you said? Every single word of it. Every single word. Is there a particular thing that you think I should be concerned about or you're concerned about or someone should No, be- just wondering in general, um, just wanted to put the question out there. And in terms of the evidence you have to back what you're saying, is that all, as far as you know, still valid? Every single piece. The Rapes and Lies article basically showed just the shit show of misconduct in Ottawa. And when you ask about the evidence, we stand by everything we said. We talked in detail about a guy named Eric Post, who was an 18-year constable with the Ottawa police. And he had had complaints, we're told, from other police. And a lot of Ottawa police contact us. You know, like I say, there's a lot of good Ottawa police. They contacted us about this guy. And they're saying, this guy had disciplinary problems for years. So he had seen seven different women, had assaulted them. You know, he was charged with 32 criminal offenses. This is an Ottawa police officer, 32 criminal offenses. He pleaded guilty to assaulting four women he met online, as well as threatened to kill and dispose of one woman's body. He also told one woman that if she ever cheated on him, 
he could dump her body in the water and get away with it because he's a police officer. He grabbed another woman by the neck and slapped her face when she tried to leave. This guy is a criminal. He was charged with 32 criminal counts and he was suspended. He was suspended for close to three years. In that time, paid hundreds of thousands of dollars while he's charged, waiting on these 32 criminal offenses. By the time it gets to trial and he's made hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting at home collecting his full pay watch in Netflix, it goes to trial and they drop 27 of the charges and they convict him on five. During that period, one of the women, one of his victims committed suicide. Okay. He retires from the police service with his full pension and he gets probation. Right. That's insane. Okay. That is not justice. That is insane. And two of the women are living in abject fear of this guy. In that very same story, we reported about a July 2020 incident with another constable, this guy, Carl Keenan, who was convicted for a brutal assault on his girlfriend. We have another guy who has since been forced to leave, who's resigned from the force just recently after all this was made public. Let's start with Eric Post. He was charged in 2018. Let's bring up the full list for you and highlight some of the key things. Two counts of sexual assault, two counts of uttering threats, five counts of assault, and then also forcible entry and two counts of forcible confinement. In 2021, he pleaded guilty to five charges of uttering threats and assault relating to four different women and was sentenced to probation. Post resigned as an officer, and therefore he didn't face an internal police investigation. According to CBC News, Post had been suspended with pay until that point. And then Carl Keenan. He was an Ottawa Police Service constable who was suspended with pay for three and a half years after charges were laid for assaulting his former girlfriend. Keenan was found guilty in the summer of 2020 of assault causing bodily harm and given a conditional discharge and two years of probation. If he abides by the conditions of his probation, the charge will be dropped from his criminal record. He was facing nine disciplinary charges from OPS, but he resigned before those could be pursued further. Each of the years he was suspended, Keenan took home in excess of $100,000 in OPS salary. And then there's Jesse Hewitt. He was brought up on 10 counts of misconduct by OPS for mockingly filming people with mental health issues and then circulating videos among his fellow officers. He too was suspended with pay until he resigned this past October. I could go on, but the list just keeps going. Dan Donovan simply collected it all and put it together in one place. However, he goes beyond just stating facts, and he pegs the guilt for allowing these officers to remain on the OPS payroll squarely on the shoulders of the former police chief. But in fact, it's the provincial legislation that determines the circumstances under which an officer can be fired, and an officer must be convicted of a crime before they can be suspended without pay. This is part of why Slowly says he sued Dan Donovan. Slowly also says Donovan unjustifiably implied that he was corrupt and stupid and that he isn't interested in human rights issues outside of race. 
It's worth noting, we did reach out to Slowly both for comment and for an interview, and we did not receive a response. But his statement of claim gives some insight, and I quote, As a result of his position as chief of police of a major Canadian city, Chief Slowly is regularly criticized and critiqued in the media and on social media platforms on the decisions made by himself and by the Ottawa Police Service. However, the article is not an attempt to participate or further public discourse on the issue of policing in the city of Ottawa. To the contrary, it reads as a spell of ranting on various issues, strung together in a manner to increase the defamatory effect on the subjects of the article, including Chief Slowly. Donovan also accuses Slowly of trying to shut down Ottawa Life's reporting on the police, calling him a bully. But in his court filings, Slowly denies that was his intent and objects to being called a bully. And so, just to make it clear, in the piece, you're not necessarily blaming Slowly, you're kind of looking at the entire system. Here's the thing. This is what we find perplexing. <laughs> this is why Slowly's a bully. And, you know, this is why I'm very confident this is a, a strategic lawsuit against public participation, okay? It's a slap lawsuit. And Slowly's a bully. I hardly write about Peter Slowly in this piece. But I think what Peter Slowly did in this case was he read the piece and he looked at it like this. Okay, this guy now, uh, Ottawa Life magazine, they're criticizing the judge. Oh, they're criticizing the crown in this piece. Oh, they're criticizing the police service board in this piece. Oh, they're criticizing me in this piece. Oh, now I'm going to sue them because all these other people, the judge, the crown, uh, the Ottawa Police Service Board, they're, take, you know, they're going at all of them. So I'll sue them for defamation. I think the piece shows what a shit show the Ottawa Police Service is when you look at some of these egregious cases of misconduct. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If Peter slowly wants to plant his pole on this article, we're willing and ready. Because this is what's most disturbing to me. Any police chief that reads this pile of dung stuff that's happening with the Ottawa police, if it was me and I read something like this, I'd be so shocked. I would say, we need to have accountability. We need to fix this. I would want to learn more. I would want to say, how do we get to this? But no, well, we're going to sue the guy that wrote about it. In Slowly's statement of claim, he accuses Donovan of publishing the article because he has a vendetta against the former police chief. And I've looked through some of his um, legal documents, and he, he points out some of the phrases that he takes issue with. And I just want to read these out, some colorful phrases. So, for example, he said, Slowly's handling of the rampant misogyny of the force has been an unbridled disaster. Deans in the OPSB took more of their stupid pills and followed Slowly's lead. Um, phrases talking about people allowing Chief Slowly to boss them around like children. I think a lot of this phrasing maybe veers into opinion rather than fact. I was wondering why you chose to phrase it that way and if you still stand by it. I 100% stand by them. Interesting, he's concerned about the the language and the narrative. I'd be more concerned if, if I was the chief of police that one of my officers had raped women. Or I'd be concerned about if I was chief slowly. Uh, when I say they take stupid pills, I'm trying to be kind when I talk about the police service board. By the way, they were all fired last week or quit 
because we were the canary in the coal mine from what just happened in Ottawa. I've been talking about the lack of accountability and what a mess the OPS is for like going on 15 years. So, you know, when it comes to the colorful language, you can't sue someone for, for what, is that defaming him because he doesn't like how we're describing it? What? I mean, I've, I've looked into a lot of defamation cases and I think some people could argue that that is you know, an opinion and therefore defamation. Really? Well, let me ask you something. That's interesting. But here is a fact. As part of our response to this defamation suit, we were asking these types of questions, which aren't in the story. In 2004, uh, then Superintendent Peter Slowly of the Toronto Police Service was investigated by the professional services branch of the Toronto Police Service. So here you have a guy who's put in charge of of like 15 or 20 people in the communications division. And his temperament, this is not me saying this, this is, we have the videotape. We have the video where in one of the clips, former police chief Peter Slowly, now Peter Slowly, private citizen, is questioned about the fact that he is yelling and angry at his female assistant on the force, this woman who works for him. And what does he say in in one of the clips in the videotape? It's very telling. He's upset that she always loses her cell phone, apparently, when he's trying to get a hold of her. And he suggests a solution to it would be for her to tie it around her neck so he can get her 24-7. You'll forgive me if my narrative in describing these people uh, is hurting their feelings. The investigation Donovan describes did happen. There's video evidence that Peter Slowly was the subject of an internal investigation for a workplace complaint that was made about him in 2003. In the video, Slowly is sat at a table in a small office with three other people, with binders and papers laid out in front of them. He's being interviewed about his conduct in the workplace, including specific questions about a few incidents. So no one on the seventh floor wants you in this job or unit you're not liked, and they'll not stop till they get rid of you. I don't know what that is. That's apparently a quote from you from that meeting on that very subject. It's absolutely inaccurate. No, you never said that. That's right. And at that point in the conversation in that meeting on February seventh, you didn't raise your voice. That's correct. So if people outside the office said they were so concerned about the level of your voice that they debated forcing their way in the door into your office because they were concerned for her safety. They'd be completely exaggerating and misrepresenting the circumstances. Well, again, I never speak for other people's perceptions. Well, I'm telling you what they've told us. And it's an interesting story. And you're saying it's not true? I don't know what they were thinking, so how can I say if it's true or not? Well, if, were there voices raised that they would have heard to, to form that impression? Could people hear a conversation that was taking place between a closed door? Probably. We're not talking about a conversation. We're saying voices were raised so long. I've stated very clearly I did not yell. Here's another one about his colleague, Louise. Louise sometimes has a phone with her, sometimes she doesn't. The reason why we have the phones is because often we need to be in very close and quick contact, and that's why we have the expense of them. And there are many times, uh, many times, there have been several occasions when I have uh, called her on her cell phone, and you can hear it ringing in her office, and she's off somewhere else. That's a, that's a concern. Um, did you tell her that... Um, you wanted her to, you didn't care what she did, you wanted her to put a string around her neck, whatever she had to do, but you wanted with her at all times? Yes. It does not appear that any Police Act charges were laid as a result of this investigation. 
but there has been no comment on it from Toronto Police, Ottawa Police, or former Chief Slowly. And Peter Slowly is upset about the way I'm describing this in an article? I think he needs to grow a set and get some sensitivity training. He's the chief of police in a G7 country in the national capital here. And you know what? You're going to be under the microscope. You account to the public. And if you're not doing your job, it's the job of the press to shine a light on it. And the day he announced he had a defamation suit and he was suing us. And then he announced that... uh, that he was going to give the money when he won $150,000 to the Ottawa Boys and Girls Club. That's a lot of hubris. And I thought, you know what, pal, you just made a mistake because you don't actually get to decide this. A judge does and the courts do. And it's a slap lawsuit. Peter Slowly is, I think, I, as I said, I, I've written a piece called The Peter Principle. And it's about when people rise to the level of their incompetency, you know, and he's just proven that this guy I'm asking the question, why was this guy hired by the Ottawa police? Do you think, with slowly leaving now, that anything's going to change? I hope so. What I've learned is that in Ontario, the laws are such that police service boards have enough authority right now to properly adjudicate and, and oversee the police. One of the problems that we run into is that they're getting the wrong people on police service boards. They're, you know, they, they get people on who've never dealt with the police. So they'll get someone who's worked in social work for years and then all of a sudden they're on the police service board. And what a lot of police chiefs who are on those boards will do is they'll say, well, I know you're asking about that, but that's operational. So we can't, you, you, you can't talk about that, which is actually not the case. The, the police service boards, if they had criminologists and former defense lawyers and and crowns on those boards who know how to deal with the police, who know how to interact with them properly, uh, they would be able to ask them the proper questions and get the proper accountability. And remember this, the Ottawa Police Service Board here went along with this charade to allow hundreds of massive trucks into the parliamentary precinct in downtown Ottawa to take over the city in the last three weeks. Something's broken because when Peter slowly briefed the board and said he was going to allow that because he's a chief, he was given incident reports, he was given the intelligence. And for whatever reason, he made a decision. I don't apologize for a second for saying these people took a stupid pill based on the decisions and the outcomes that we've had. Just last week, Deputy Chief Uday Jaswal announced that he would be resigning from the force. He was charged with discreditable conduct under the Police Act for allegedly sexually harassing other Ottawa police employees. Jaswal had been suspended with pay since March 2020. For some context, in 2019, a civilian employee with the OPS, Jennifer van der Zander, filed a human rights complaint alleging she'd been sexually harassed by Jaswal who was also her husband's commanding officer. I made a point of really talking about my partner and and that kind of thing. And uh, he kind of had an odd look on his face. And that's when he told me that he wanted to date me. I clearly communicated to him that I wasn't interested in him that way. And it didn't stop it. You know, I was very clear. I was not interested. You know, I was showing in my body language. I was showing in my words that I was not interested in him romantically. I had thought we were meeting. And in 2021, 
CBC's The Fifth Estate published a report that revealed at least 14 women employed by the Ottawa Police Service reported being sexually abused and harassed by other officers in the three years prior. All of these incidents, the misconduct, the sexual harassment, the hundreds of thousands of public dollars spent on payouts to suspended officers, add up to serious issues within the Ottawa Police Service. Former police chief Peter Slowly was present for these issues, that's true. But it's difficult to pin it all on him. And now that he's stepped down, those problems still remain. I don't give a rat's ass if he's offended by what I say about him. We've done nothing to defame him, we've, uh, nor would we. I probably sound passionate about my feelings about this because I'm so frustrated as a citizen, not just as a, as a writer, I'm frustrated for the victims. I've talked to so many victims that have just been cast aside, and I'm just tired that when we have proper laws in place, that we're getting these irresponsible people in the oversight positions that aren't doing their job. And I think that's our job in media is to shine a light. That is your Canada land. If you like the show, if you're new to this show, uh, the way that we make it is people support us directly with a few bucks a month and we give them ad-free podcasts and t-shirts and other things. You can do that by clicking the link in the show notes or going to canadaland.com slash join. Please do. You can email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read every email you send. We're on Twitter at canadaland. Our website where you will find a lot of other terrific podcasts from our network is canadaland.com. This episode was reported by Cherie Suturin and produced with the help of Jonathan Goldsby. Tristan Capicchione is our audio editor and technical producer. Our senior producer is Sarah Larniuk. Kieran Oudshorn is our managing editor. Our theme music is by So Called. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. Hey, if you like this show, please support us by going to canadaland.com slash join or just click on the link in the show notes. It takes like a minute. 